Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, you may be wondering why we've got some uh, easy listening going on in the background there here on the run home. Not normally going for the easy, easy listening kind of brand. However, that is the dulcet tones of one Chris Stapleton. How's that related to sport, you ask? That's going to be one of the Super Bowl halftime performers, Beef. That is why. I also really, really like the Stan Walker version. Anyway, that is because we are talking all things NFL at the moment. Uh, and very lucky to be joined by ESPN's Australia New Zealand NFL Bricky Show host now, Laurie Horish. Laurie, thank you so much for your time. I hope you're a Chris Stapleton fan. I'm a big Chris Stapleton fan. That is a gorgeous way to bring me in on a Friday afternoon. The Dulcet tones, indeed. We're one anyone in media and broadcasting can only hope to have the rich timber uh, of a Chris Stapleton. And yeah, as soon as he was announced as the national anthem singer, uh, me and some fellow uh, uh, those who partake in certain activities around Super Bowl involving prop bets were jumping straight on to look at what that over under market might be for the anthem. I tell you what, someone who does have those. Uh deep tones that you speak of. <laughs> One Stephen Donald, of course. <laughs> Can't quite put it together like that, though, unfortunately. Uh, you'll be getting across the Super Bowl, will you, Laurie? Uh, sadly, I will not be on the ground this year. I was lucky uh, enough to be there a couple of years ago and hope to be back over next season, but um, unfortunately won't be on the ground there. Uh, we will have uh, ESPN Australia New Zealand team, our Sports Centre Australia New Zealand, the Packroom team will be over there um, all week. Um and uh, I'll be sending my infinite amounts of uh, of love, support, and jealousy to what they're doing over there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it should be a, a hell of a show uh, in in Arizona, especially when you consider um, that uh, usually on Super Bowl Saturday, um, it's not normally in Super Bowl Town, but you have the uh, party hall uh, at the uh, at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix, which is absolute scenes, and that being in the same city as the Super Bowl will be hosting just 24 hours uh, ahead of the big game. I can imagine it's going to be one hell of a week, and then the weekend should be something else. Very much so, mate. So when you look at the four teams that are still in with a chance now, are these the four teams you thought would be there at this end of the season? I mean, ebbing and flowing of who we thought would emerge, but these are the four deserving teams. I think as this season went along, you saw teams like the Buffalo Bills, um, obviously the incredible um, and, and, and very you know heartaching um, and, and troubling event that they went through with DeMar mm-hmm. Hamlin um, emerged as this storyline for them. But they did, um, as great as it's been to see DeMar, um, his recovery and his health. Uh, from an on-field standpoint, they were slightly inconsistent down the stretch, so not entirely surprising to see the Bengals and the Chiefs emerge from the AFC side of things. Um, as for the NFC, I think there were three teams that were really duking this out. The Eagles set a standard from a winning, a physicality, and a, a, their brand of 
their brand of football, which is strong in the trenches, um, get a lead and D to try and contain the duality of our offense. We're running and passing. We're equally effective and we have a quarterback that can do both. It's such a challenge for people to, for opposition defenses to contain in the 49ers. I mean, the Christian McCaffrey's arrival a couple months into the season really kicked this offensive uh, into a whole different stratosphere, their production, the talent across the board. And then they've suffered the injuries at quarterback. We know that with Brock Purdy, pick number 262, Mr. Irrelevant, a seventh rounder. Could he be the first rookie quarterback uh, to go and win uh, a Lombardi trophy in that uh, first season? Their ability to maintain offensive production and rhythm throughout that change at such a pivotal position americans like to say it is the most pivotal position in world sport <laughs> their ability to do that is a credit to carl shanahan that offensive system um and yeah as i mentioned the surrounding talent christian mccaffrey debo samuel brandon Ayuk, george kittle had a huge game against the dallas cowboys um and there are others um that the backup stocks that they have there would be starting players on many many rosters how much would life change for the uh Poor, well, not the poor individual. I dare say, become a very rich individual <laughs> if he goes from round seven to a Super Bowl winner. Well, look, you're already starting to see, and it is it is wildly reckless for those of us in fandom or media to start throwing around Tom Brady's name with any day three quarterback pick. Um, but if you, you're talking about someone who has ties to the Bay Area, playing in the Bay Area while Tom Brady was linked, uh, was uh, grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. But you're someone so early in their career coming from, you know, doesn't have that big draft pedigree. Yes, there's support of great defensive performance and their defensive unit is for real. And yes, there's support. I mentioned the, the star players, the coaching structure, the, the offensive philosophy they have there. But to be there at that stage of your career, holding up a Lombardi trophy, you're immediately going to be thrown into not just superstar, but people are going to start projecting forward into they, once you have one, the next question is not just one, but how many, when's the next one going to come? I actually think when you were talking about uh, how the American media refer to the quarterback as the most important position in world sport, uh, first five Stephen Donald, I think just kind of bristled. A little bit there. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Uh, look, yeah, we have our local sports down here in this part of the world, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a certainly a different sport. But look, I can I can confess, and I may have said this to uh, uh, your producer ahead of time, as somebody who um, was a great um, fan and benefactor of. Uh, Chiefs legend and early fantasy super rugby immortal Stephen Donald. I will not be besmirching the first five position at any time. Uh, you must have got me in on the good years to get fantasy points. <laughs> I think you just officially became friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> with that sort of chat. Honestly, though, when it comes to these quarterbacks, uh, we were talking earlier in the show about how young they all are about how Mahomes is the oldest of the of the starters at the moment and he's still only 27 is this I mean is it just that this generation is producing great quarterbacks like what can we put that down to I think we put it back down to for a long time the NFL dictated to the college ranks hey this is what we like in a quarterback we want a pro style quarterback he runs a a pro style offense so that's you know standing there statuesque in the pocket delivering um certain types of routes um we want to see complex reads and the NFL has started to 
do a better job of adapting from college, making the transition for young quarterbacks into the NFL a little more seamless. A lot of really great offensive minds come up to their young quarterbacks and say, hey, I've got my scheme, but what do you like running? What plays fit your eye? What are you natural with? What what really comes to you it really will, will help your transition to this next level. And let's build that into the offense and ease that process, which is, look, that's just very smart. You can say that's smart football thinking. That's just smart sporting philosophy across across any code. So that's certainly taken on. We're seeing more more uh, involvement and encouragement for quarterback mobility. So these quarterbacks that come in and have um, the dual threat capabilities, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, no longer part of the picture this season, but certainly does that. Patrick Mahomes, not the fastest guy in the world and, and dealing with a high ankle sprain right now, but someone whose mobility, slipperiness and improvisation on the move is absolutely part of what makes him the best quarterback in the game today. So it's encouraging and foster, taking that talent that's already there, that perhaps in previous decades, previous years of the NFL would have been discouraged and fostering it, encouraging it and building it into pro-style schemes. And we're seeing, you know, this season early on was a little step back in points uh, score, but that's part of why we've seen this rocketing, um, you know, points era in the NFL. And that extends to players like Lamar Jackson as well. So I think that would be one of the huge reasons we are seeing young success. And we're just seeing a generational shift as well. You know, the Breezes, the Mannings have made their way out of the NFL, Ben Roethlisberger as well, uh, Phil Rivers, and now we're seeing Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, the last two of that kind of, that real core um, to start, you know, we're having that conjecture about how many years left or is this it for those type of quarterbacks. Yes, fascinating times. And when you look at these four teams, is there any one of them for you in particular that screams Super Bowl is ours for the taking? Well, I mean, look, if, if Patrick Mahomes wasn't dealing with a high ankle sprain and playing on it one week after the injury, which mm. is for an injury that is increasingly known as a four to eight to even 10 week injury, that is, it's a huge question mark. He was out at training today and he was moving around, gave, you know, don't know whether he knew the cameras on, but he gave him a little pirouette while he was moving <laughs> out there. So something to, a little wink and a nod, perhaps, to he's feeling okay. And pain management and, and rest and you know recovery is all going to be part of his treatment up until the game. I still lean towards the Chiefs because I do think whilst the Cincinnati Bengals, they've dealt with injuries on the offensive line and yet played the offensive line, the replacements that stepped in may have been the best performance we saw from a Cincinnati Bengals front this season. I still think that a player like Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs wears number 95, one of the, if not defensive player of the year, one of those in consideration on the podium. He is a game wrecker. And he, when I think that we've got the most dominant player in the game on offense, no disrespect to Joe Burrow, who is right there, number two in quarterback um, in my in my rankings across the NFL. I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. But you've got the most dominant offensive player in Patrick Mahomes, the most dominant defensive player on the field uh, being Chris Jones. I'm going to lean that way uh, with Kansas City, not to mention that they, you know, there's a certain hunger level that comes when you are when you have failed to beat a Bengals team and a Joe and Joe Burrow who walks in with all the swagger and confidence, deservedly so, into that matchup. Now, uh, before we let you go, Laurie, you are going to be the kingmaker. Every Friday, uh, we do a, <laughs> we do a TAB uh, bit over here where I pick four legs, and uh, the listeners pick one. And uh, I'm going to give you two NFL ones that the listeners have picked in, and I want you to tell me which one's the most likely to happen. Okay. Uh, so, so the first one we've got for you is uh, Mahomes and Burrow to combine for 550-plus passing yards. And five touchdowns between them. So you got that it's one. 
It's a, it's a good day. It's, it's a hell of a spectacle if we're seeing that play out. The uh, Okinto would be very happy to hear spin if that we, we get that type of display on offer. Right. Well, well that will be have to be better than this one. Uh, George Kittle to score a touchdown and 49ers to win. Which one's most that's, likely to happen? That's where I'm leaning. I'm going to go with the latter there because I do have the 49ers meeting the I've, since the playoffs started and maybe a month or so out, I had the 49ers advancing from the NFC and the Chiefs advancing from the AFC. I ultimately think the Chiefs will get this thing done in the Super Bowl if those two teams play off. But give me 49ers to advance. And I do think that look, the, the Eagles secondary, particularly their cornerbacks, have been super, super impressive. And Darius Slay has been a stud for a long time, but they've advanced their depth there. They've been far improved as a collective unit. But that middle of the field, uh, George Kittle up against some of the safeties or linebacker play, I think he could break break free. Um, we show, He showed his playmaking ability in some of the biggest gains for San Francisco against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that could continue. So if I'm picking one of those, give me Kittle to score a touchdown on the 49ers to march on. Beautiful. Laurie, does this happen a lot? Like, do you have a lot of kind of more <laughs> casual, you know, amongst your, your friend group, more casual NFL viewers who happen to be keen punters and it gets to this time of the season and all of a sudden you are the most popular man in the group chat? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I've probably got too much uh, baggage to be ever be the most popular man in the group chat. But the phone <laughs> certainly gets, it certainly gets a little more busy this time of year, but it's great fun. It's part of what got me into the NFL or when I was first getting in and it's part of the spectacle. It's it's something to dive into. You know, the, the prop bets, the novelty bets, we have so much fun with the halftime show and the, the anthem and, and all that stuff in the big dance. But yeah, certainly, uh, certainly a few more questions being asked at this time. And the, the thing is, though, this is you have a look at the market right now and you can't split the four teams to emerge as Super Bowl champions. Each one of them is paying somewhere between, you know, $3.25 or $3.50 and $4. There is the markets are so tight. And I think that's credit to a season that halfway through we were talking about this season of parity and how many great teams that we we would see emerge at the end. I think we've got the deserving four to make it to the final, to this final quartet. And I, there's not a bad matchup to emerge out of these two uh, conference title games. And Laurie, I do have one more very serious question to mm-hmm. ask that's just been playing on my mind and I need an expert to kind of help me clarify here uh, because earlier in the week we saw saw an almost bust up uh, in the NBA with a certain former NFL player heckling the Memphis Grizzlies from the sideline and a certain Kiwi NBA star responding. So uh, my question to you, with your knowledge of... Mm. NFL and, and the sort of athletes uh, that it takes to, to be in that league. Who would win a fight between Shannon Sharp and Stephen Adams? I'm not, I, not just because of the radio station I'm on right now. <laughs> but I am not going against Stephen Adams in any fight, in any stage, any, any conditions. It doesn't matter. Not a chance by going against Stephen Adams. I've yet to see him take a backward step on a basketball court, which is quite difficult considering how long he's been in the NBA. That No, not a chance I'm going against Stephen Adams. If there's a Royal Rumble um, of <laughs> NBA players, it's Stephen Adams at the end standing tall. And you know what? If they had a combined Royal Rumble between the NFL and the NBA, it'll be Stephen Adams and it'll be Jordan Mylard at the last two standing. So that's just where I come down on that. <laughs> oh, great to get your take. Laurie Horish there, ESPN's Australian New Zealand NFL Bricky Show host. Fantastic to have you on the show, mate. Uh, I, I feel like this must be Christmas, basically, this time of year for you. So enjoy it, lap it up, hope it all goes well. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, mate. Oh, sensational. So are you going with his uh, his pick there, Beef? Well, you'll have to find out. What? Uh, 
Johnny after Johnny Mac when I read out Beaver's Best. Oh. The first of the year. Fine. Be that way. Still time uh, to try. Yeah, nah. Uh, that's good. That's good tactically from you. Still time <laughs> to try and get your picks in to see if you can uh, usurp that one, I think. Uh, and just so you know as well, Beave, you're probably keeping across the tennis uh, there as well. But Stefano Sitspass now up two sets, seven six six four. We go into a third, so perhaps the Sitspass Djokovic final is uh, is looking good. And that power, play, that power play I tipped you in at the start of the show, people. Yes. Remind me what it was. Uh, win his first service game, win the first set, win the match. Tick, tick, so far. Tick. Oh, that is impressive stuff for you. Too bad that people weren't able to get it for uh, Beaver's Best. Beaver's Best, I know. I however, know. however, that's coming up. We're also going to be doing our Caller of the Week Giveaway that's with Makita coming up after Johnny Mac with the news.